time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, that's got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated. Again, I'm so glad um, to see all of you guys here. Again, if this is your first time on a Sunday morning, like you weren't here last Sunday, can you just slip up your hand? I won't embarrass you. I just want to see about how many kind of new word faces we have. That is awesome. Just giving y'all a hand. I know some of you probably come on Wednesday nights you just missed last Sunday. But we are so excited that you guys are here. This is week two of Sunday morning, DSM Junior High. We'll be here every Wednesday, excluding Mother's Day and Easter. So other than that, we'll be here on normal Wednesday, Wednesday, I mean, normal Sunday mornings, unless it's a holiday or a special event here at New Life. So, so glad that you guys, um, so glad that you guys are here. And I know that so many of you come for different reasons. Like some of you are like, Oh, like I just didn't like have anything else to do or, Oh Lord, I just didn't really want to sit in the adult service or, Oh gosh, I just wanted to see the girl that I like, or oh, I just want to see the boy that I like. Or, I just want to hang out with my friends and, and all of that stuff. I'm just glad that you're here, but just know that our purpose for gathering Sundays, Wednesdays, special events is for you to become more like Jesus. The starting point of that is being introduced to who Jesus is. And how magnificent he is in all of his glory and in all of his power and in all of his love. It's to show you this is who Jesus is and this is who he wants to be in your life. Like personally, not just your friend's lives. So ultimately Jesus, I mean, it's like this mission of you looking more like Jesus Christ to your generation. And if that doesn't excite you, then, then I mean, just stick around for a couple weeks because I am so excited about Jesus I am so excited about Jesus because he's changed my life, because he's given me a purpose, because he's given me um, a, a, a reason for living, a reason for breathing, a reason for waking up in the morning, a reason for being here on a Sunday morning. It's because I love him. Okay. And so, so as we go through this journey of, of getting acquainted with Jesus, and some of you maybe are just churchgoers coming to DSM doesn't make you any more of a Christian than, you know, standing in a garage makes you a, a truck. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's not how it happens. Right. And so, so, so coming doesn't, that doesn't really prove anything. That doesn't really, that's not like real fruit. You know what I'm saying? That's not a real sign of a Christian, a sign of a Christian is one who is looking more and more like the Jesus that we find in our Bibles. Not the Jesus of our culture, not the Jesus that, that MTV or, or even Disney Channel or like or, or your culture, or our generation tells us. No, no, no. The Jesus that's in the Bible, the Jesus who walks in love, the Jesus who literally even does signs and wonders and miracles. Did you know that you were destined for greatness? Did you know that there's a mission, that there's a call? That there's a purpose for your life, even at this stage. I was reading my quiet time, I think it was yesterday or today, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it just talks about, man, in your youth, enjoy the days of your youth. Use those days to, to build great things for God while your strength is renewed, while you can do all these different things that you know that your youth was created for adventure. This should be an adventure. This should be every week when we gather. It should be like, man, gosh, God did this through me. Or, or God, you know what? God did this for me. Or God did this in my life. This is an exciting adventure that we're on, you guys. This pathway of Christianity. So I just want you to know that. So as we talk today, again, we're going to just do brief, like, mini series. Um, just two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday. And then after that, we'll start the Revivalist series. Um, as, I, as I think about the mission of Jesus, um, 
I think I'm gonna, we're going to call this series for these next two weeks, The Dare. And, and as I think about scripture, um, what's a time whenever Jesus dared? There's a couple of different places that we look at. But as I think about movies, and some of you may know this movie. Um, gosh, you guys knew the Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, uh, was that the Beverly Hillbillies? Or no, it was, um, was the Beverly Hillbillies with, what, what's the guy's name? You remember? Yes, Jethro. And Jethro was Moses's. Father-in-law, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you knew the Beverly Hills, so you may know this movie who, that has just like the greatest dare of all times. Take a look at this. You're full of beans and so's your old man. exact exchange and nuance of phrase in this ritual is very important. Huh, are you kidding? Stick my tongue to that stupid pole that's dumb. That's because you know it'll stick. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like double dog dare you. Now it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple really dog dare. I triple dog Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. All right, all right. Flick's spine stiffened, his lips curled in a defiant sneer. There was no going back now. This is next. Triple Dog Dare. Any of you ever seen that movie before? Oh, there's a lot of you. Okay, older movie, but y'all been there. For the Triple Dog Dare. There was no going back, right? I mean, he says, he just like went for the jugular. Like, I triple dog dare you to stick your tongue on this cold pole. As I think about scripture, where is it? I mean, Jesus never said, hey, yo, I dare you to. I mean, that just didn't happen, but... There was a moment in scripture that I do think of. Most of you are familiar with the passage where the disciples are on the boat and Jesus is walking on water. Okay. And so, and then he looks at Peter and he basically, for all practical purposes, says, I dare you to get out of the boat. I triple dog dare you to step on out of the boat. Peter. Let's look at that scripture. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 14. Starting at verse 22, Matthew 14, 22. It's up on the screens if you don't have your Bibles, if you don't bring your Bible to church. 
could go on. Verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. 23 says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Everybody say, by himself to pray. Okay, I want everybody to say, by himself to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. By himself to pray. He goes up in the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Everybody say alone. alone. 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Achoo! Nobody sneezed in the story. That was... God bless me. Thank me. I'm welcome. Meanwhile... 24. Thank you. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, (coughs) thank you. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. 27, but Jesus spoke up to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. I'm here, boys. 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 29, yes, come. Or, Peter, I triple, double, dog, dare you to step out of the boat and come and walk on water. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. 30 says, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him, says this, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. 33, then the disciples worshiped him and said, oh, you really are the son of God. They explained. I bet you just looking like you think. Um, bow your heads real quick. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I pray that it would pierce hearts. I pray that it would capture the attention and the, the hearts, the imagination, Father, of your amazing sons and daughters and those who have not made a decision to become a part of the family of God. I pray that you would draw them in this morning as we look at who Jesus is and the challenges that you have given us, the charges as disciples. In Jesus' name, everybody said. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, so lots of people believe that they were made to change the world. But only a few people are actually willing to pay the price to actually do it. Lots of people. We have a lot, a lot of you have ambition. A lot of you have dreams. A lot of you have goals. And that is awesome. You want to do great things. That's wonderful. But here's the deal, you guys. It's in the small choices that you become a really big person. Jeannie Mayo says this, in the small choices that you become a really big person. And so so looking at the disciples and even what Jesus had dared Peter to do, Peter, I triple dog dare you, get out of the boat and walk towards me. And Peter responds by walking on water. Responds by walking on water. I'm referring to the small choices that make you a a really big person, I'm referring to having a daily, consistent, quiet time with Jesus Christ. 
We're really great at making empty promises to Jesus, aren't we? How many of you say, yeah, we are? How many of you say, yeah, I am? How many of you, how many of you would like raise your hand and say, I'm really great at making empty promises to Jesus. I've made a few in my lifetime. No, real high. That's good. For the rest of you, we're going to have confession, deliverance, and repentance at the end of the service. We've all made Jesus promises and vows, you guys, that we didn't quite follow through with. We didn't quite follow up with. Passion, mission, intercession, consecration. We talk about that a lot in the vow. David Perkins has described passion as God visits desperate people. The desperate ones are those who have tasted of God and long for more of him and his purpose. God reveals himself to people that ache and pray and fast. He draws near to those that draw near to him. And in view of that, many of you have even taken this vow maybe at some point. I vow to daily carve out regular time to be with God, to read my Bible and pray. And how many times have we said that daily we're going to do that and days have gone by. And we have not made good on our word to Jesus. We just, we started well. And anybody can start something. But it takes a real Christ follower. It takes a real big person to finish up with what you start. Can I get an amen? amen. Verses 22 through 23. I want to show you what I believe is the secret to Jesus' victory. It's intimacy with the Father. It's because Jesus had scheduled times whenever he said, you know what? I know that there are a lot of needs. I know that you have an earache, that your leg ain't working, that your throat ain't working, that you need like a new um, wrist or arm or whatever. I know that you have all these needs, but you know what? I have a need and it's to, com- it's to commune. It's to, it's to spend time. It's to spend some moments with my father. If Jesus needed time with the father daily, then how much more do we, you guys? It is impossible to fulfill the call of God on your life. It is impossible. I truly believe this with all my heart to really do all that God has called and created you to do without spending time with Jesus regularly, personally, intimately, one-on-one-ly. Okay, the last one was made up, but you get the point, right? <laughs> to spending this, spending this time with Jesus, the secret to Jesus' victory, intimacy with his father. You see, the most important habit you can ever form in your time here on earth is a consistent relational time with Jesus Christ. Consistency will always trump charisma. What do we mean by that? Hey, just doing simple things day in and day out will always get you further than doing great things like once a month or once a year. Once a summer, a desperation conference, or once a, once a year in the fall or the winter, you know, for Quorum Deo or for retreat. The consistent small choices, you guys, will get you further along in your walk with Jesus than the really big random ones. Does that make sense to anybody? And so that's what I'm encouraging. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Refuse to give the Lord your strength. Okay, so we, we did, we had a little fun with this and... No condemnation. There were some dollar bills that were in the middle of this aisle and up here. They were placed there at the, um, at the, during praise and worship. And so I see that all of them are gone, some $1 bills. But there was also some change that was left on the floor. And um, like, nobody went for the nickels. <laughs> nobody, went for, nobody went for the pennies. But if you look on the floor, you don't see any dollar bills. And this, no, you were supposed to take them, so don't feel like I'm putting you on a guilt trip. We just kind of put some ones out. 
Yeah, and that was on the floor, right? The quarter and uh, like the change is also kind of there. And so, so what, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is that small like change doesn't really, I mean, it really, nobody was going after the quarters and the nickels, I see. But there's not one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course now. <laughs> but yeah, you can have <laughs> But here, here's the thing. All the dollars are gone because that's the way we think. Oh, it's the, it's the big, you know what I'm saying? It's a, nobody wanted the spare change. Nobody wanted, we wanted to leave that here and take the dollars. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is not just give God your spare change. Don't just leave the change for the Lord. You see, in the same way that you just went for the dollars, those kinds of things, I think it's, it's the same way we do in our relationship with God. Like, I'm going to wait for the big moments. I'm going to wait for conference. I'm going to wait for camp. I'm going to wait for like a Wednesday night, maybe three weeks from now. And then I'll start kind of having a quiet. No, 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 no. Don't give him your spare change, guys. The lamb is worthy. He is worthy of your time. He is worthy of your efforts to connect with him on the daily basis. We too often give God our spare change, but we forget it's the many, many, many pennies, nickels, quarters that eventually come together to make a huge sum. We forget that. And so I'm encouraging you, don't approach your quiet time. Don't approach your time with Jesus in that way. You know, the change really doesn't matter. The change is the five minutes every day. That's what I'm talking about. The change, the quarter, the nickels, it is the five, ten minutes, whenever you're getting up in the morning, crack open the word of God, put on some worship music, even if it's just one. That's the change, you guys. I'm, I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That you would focus on that and not the big moments. Oh, well, I'll have three hours, you know, five weeks from now, and I can just kind of, no, 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 no. That's great, too. But it's the consistent, small choices that make you a really, really big person. Amen? Verses 24 through 29 describes the storms that came whenever they were in the boat on the water. And I just want to encourage you, no matter how cute you are, the storms of life will come. I want to encourage you, no matter how popular you are, no matter how much money your family has, the storms of life, they will come, you guys. And some of you are facing and walking through some storms now. I haven't talked to you, some of you personally over the last weeks and even over the last months. You're facing some storms at home. You're facing some storms at school. They will come, you guys. That's what's consistent. Verse 25 says that the disciples were terrified. The wind picked up, the waves started crashing, and they were absolutely scared out of their minds. But listen to this quote, courage is not limited to the battlefield. The real tests of courage are much, much quieter. What I mean by that, just in the quiet choices, having courage, you guys. They are the inner tests, like enduring pain whenever the room is empty or standing alone whenever you're misunderstood. When your biggest enemy is maybe, I'd rather be doing something else than having some time with the Lord, having some time with Jesus it takes real courage to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I, what I don't feel. I'm going to spend some time with Jesus today because I want to be more like him. Is this making sense to anybody? Yeah. Again, we gather here to know Jesus, to know him better, to become more like him. And I don't know any other way, any more effective way of connecting with Jesus outside of our services 
than having, a, than having a quiet time with the Lord than having some time carved out, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20. And I know some of you are so passionate in your relationship with the Lord where you are doing this. And I want to say to you, great job. You have no idea the investment that you are seeding into your future. You have no idea the blessings of God that will follow behind you in, your la- in the latter part of your teen years and in your early 20s, whenever everybody else is just kind of getting it together and learning how to have a quiet time, how far advanced you'll be. You will be a wellspring. You will be such a source and a vessel of encouragement to your friends. You will be a rock star. Because by that point, it will have become your habit. You will be a Daniel. Who says, you know, when everybody else is confused about who they are, Daniel says, no, 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 this is my custom. This is what I've been doing since I was in junior high. I mean, this isn't new for me. I know how to get alone with God. I know how to have a conversation with God. And I'm not going to wait till tough times to learn. You don't learn that in the middle of a storm, you guys. You learn it right here in, the, in some of the best years of your life. Just saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to learn to connect with you on the everyday basis. When the storms, whenever the, because remember you guys, that matter how cute you are, no matter how rich you are, no matter, storms of life will come. I don't want you to have to look over having regret saying, man, I wish I would have. I mean, what, what, where's the book of like Galatians again? I mean, where is that? What? What does God's voice sound like? No, 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 no. Jesus says, this is my sheep. They know my voice. And a stranger's voice, they will not obey. You have to cultivate this, you guys. The more you, you talk to him, it would be an absolute shame. It would be an absolute shame. I think Professor Brady said this within the last month or so, or the last months whenever he's talking. And he says, like, if, you know, if Pam called him on the phone and was like, hey, and he's like, hey, who's this? <laughs> he's in trouble. If Octavia sent me a hey, tell message, if Octavia called me and she's like, hey, 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 how you doing? I'm like, who, who is this? I don't really, like, who is this again? Well, he's in trouble, okay? So it's the same thing with the voice of the Lord. You cultivate hearing his voice by spending time with him. Not in your little small groups, not with your best friend. Talk to Jesus. Make him your best friend. You know what I'm saying? You guys, this makes sense to anybody? Yeah. You don't want to learn this stuff in the middle of a storm, you guys. You don't want to wait until your family's being rocked or you're facing challenges at school or academically or whatever. You want to learn this now and get it in your heart and let it be your custom. I connect with Jesus, not because I'm having a bad day, but because I love him and he loves me. Amen. That's what I want the cry of your heart to be. Verse 29 says, this is Christ's dare to Peter. Get out of your boat and start walking on the water. In other words, I triple dog dare you. Get out of the boat, Peter. Because you have to understand that you are destined to be water walkers. You are destined. You are built for adventure. Pastor Brady was even saying this yesterday, uh, Saturday. We had a men's meeting here at the church. And one of the things that just so stayed in my heart, he was like, Christianity, boredom is probably one of the greatest areas that lead to temptation. Because you just don't have anything else to do. You don't realize how great, how exciting, how awesome the relationship that God wants to give you. And then the assignments and the tasks, you guys. Sometimes, I mean, it can be overwhelming. But boredom, no. You ask the disciples, was it anything close to boredom? You ask Peter, was he bored on the day of Pentecost? Or you ask, you ask any of the disciples that were present on the day of Pentecost as they sat there in the 
in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes in and literally there's a sound like rushing mighty wind and fire shows up and sits upon everybody's head. There ain't nothing boring about the Holy Spirit. There's nothing boring about the presence of God. So it's a lie from our generation. It's a lie that the enemy puts in so many of our heads, many of us through making bad friend choices and saying, oh, what are you going to do this for? What are you doing all that for? Oh, that's boring. Like you need to do something else. They are a lie and the truth is not in them and you need to separate them from your friend circle. You don't have to amen. I'll amen myself. There is nothing boring about the kingdom of God. There's nothing boring about walking in relationship with him and responding to the things that he tells you to do. None of the disciples would say, oh, what a drag. I mean, seeing Jesus baptized and then like the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove and then hearing literally the voice of God saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, what a freaking snooze. Nobody. You know, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, like uh, we got to see like two of the major prophets of old. And, you know, no big deal. I mean, literally we saw like the heavens open. Uh, I mean, wake me up whenever it's all over. There's nothing boring about the presence of Jesus, you guys. But it will very much so seem like it if you're not all the way in. If you're not all the way in. I need you guys to be all the way in. If we're going to do great things in the kingdom. If you're going to advance the kingdom this year. If you're really going to be used by God. You've got to be all the way in. Everybody just say all the way in. All the way in. Maybe you've been wondering why your relationship with God seems so stale and dry and boring. It's probably because you haven't taken any risks. When was the last time you actually took a risk? Like talk to somebody you did not know and just kind of shared your faith with them or invited them to church or just started sharing with them, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. When was the last time you took a risk for the kingdom of God? If you're walking in boredom, it's your own fault because I promise you the voice of the Lord is speaking. There are needs all around you. There are people all around you that if you just open up your eyes and say, God, use me as a vessel this week, I am yours. God will do great and mighty things through you. And I know that some of you are doing it. So again, this is an encouragement for some. This is an affirmation of, hey, great job. Keep doing it. But then for some, this is like, get off the dang sideline and get in the game. You get a split in your butt from sitting on the bench. Come on, somebody. This is an encouragement. Get off the sideline. Do something great for the Lord. Why not you? Why not now? Why not your school? Why not your athletic team? Why not your taekwondo class? Why not? Why not you? And why not now? What's the difference in the disciples and you, you guys? One difference, an availability, a willingness to be used by God, and the obedience to follow it out. The decision to be a great finisher and not just a starter. I am triple dog daring you to get off the sidelines, start having a daily consistent quiet time with Jesus and start hearing the voice of God. Is that all right? Does that make sense? Having daily quiet time with Jesus isn't a huge risk, but consistent time with Jesus will empower and inspire you to take some risks. Like maybe praying with someone in the, cafe, someone in the cafeteria, uh, you know, uh, during lunch or telling whenever somebody's telling a dirty joke, you excuse yourself from the conversation or, or maybe avoiding a certain movie or music when everyone else thinks it's cool, but you know that it's wrong. Or opening up your mouth and sharing what God is doing in your life with some of your friends who don't go to church. Come on. Deer in the headlights. I love it. 
I love it. Lots of us are great starters, but not really great finishers. I want to finish well, you guys. I want to finish well, not just start this thing. Verse 30 in one translation says, jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. Lots of people start, but it's about completing the journey. Be more than a great starter is what I'm challenging you to do. I dare you. It's the dare. Week one, there's only going to be two weeks. I dare you. Be a good finisher. Some of you, you need to start. Some of you are just hanging out in the boat. Some of you are not even following Jesus. You were just coming and just, and that's it's cool. But I mean, that's going to be boring. That's going to wear out after a while. I'm sorry to tell you. So for some of you, I'm saying, hey, be a great finisher. For others, I'm saying, be, be a great starter and a great finisher. You ain't even started nothing yet. Come on, somebody. So wherever you are, I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you to just evaluate in your own heart and find out just where you are. Where are you? Have you even started doing anything for the kingdom? Have you started having relationship with Jesus? Has he changed your life? Has he, do you hear his voice at all? It's a lie from the enemy. You're not too young to hear God's voice. You're not, you're just not. You're not too young. You're not too young. Somebody needs to hear me say, you are not too young. You're the perfect age. You're in the perfect place. You're the perfect season. You are plan A. There is no plan B. There's no plan C. There is only plan A and you are it. And Father God is counting on plan A. Come on, it's a sobering moment to really think about this. Because I think you're intelligent enough. I think you're smart enough. I think you got enough sense to connect with Jesus daily. I think you have enough time. I don't care what your schedule looks like. I know that you have enough time. So stop letting the enemy lie through you and telling yourself, I don't have time. I have schoolwork. I have homework. I have athletic work. Hey, 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 hey. In eternity, in eternity, in eternity, This is what's going to count. How well you lived your life as a Christ follower. How well is the quality of your time spent with Jesus one-on-one. When we stand before the Lamb, you will not be with your friends. You will not be with your parents. I will not be there with you. You'll stand there one-on-one. And Jesus will look you in the eyes and say, how well, how how well did did you know me? Do do you know me? I'm sorry, do I know you? You don't want to be that guy. You do not want to be that girl. Come on, somebody. Time with Jesus. 30 says, but when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified. This is Peter. And he began to sink and he cries out, save me, Lord. He shouts. You guys, your focus is has to be Jesus. Listen to this. When you lose your focus, you lose. When you lose your focus, you lose. And that's in every area. That's in every area of your life. Lose your focus, you lose. Jesus must be the focus, you guys. My previous pastor once said, God wants our best. God deserves our best. God demands our best. The first two were like, oh, that's cute. It makes me feel good. Like, God, God, God wants my best. 
God deserves my best. Yeah, he's awesome. God demands my best. That's how many of us live our lives. That's how many of us, whenever we see this statement, God wants our best. Oh, yeah, because he likes me. I'm awesome. God deserves our best. Oh, yeah, because he's awesome. But God demands our best. So he's going to do something to our heart. What do you mean? Like, I mean, he's not like humbly asking. I mean, I thought he was like a perfect gentleman. <laughs> I love that one. Okay, so <laughs> scripture, according to scripture, he demands our best. Why? He never asks you to give anything more than what he has given. He gave his best. Whenever it came time to go to the cross to send a sacrifice, he gave his best. That gives him the right to demand your best, to demand the best you that he has created you to be. Amen. Are y'all okay this morning? Good. When God needed to offer a sacrifice for the penalty of all mankind's sin, he gave his very best. He expects nothing less from his followers. Jesus isn't after youth group members. He's after disciples. I'm not after youth group members. I'm after disciples of Jesus Christ who want to be used for him wholeheartedly. And I come from Louisiana because y'all are cute or because the weather's nice in Colorado. Okay, I've said that before. I really, really mean this. I came because I believe in what God is doing DSM. I came because I believe that there's a group of students here who, if they were properly equipped and trained and given the tools of the kingdom, could literally shake this nation for God. Now, that may sound like a cute statement to you, but it's everything to me. It's everything to David Perkins. It is everything to the DSM staff. It is everything to your DLA leaders. We're not here because we don't have anything else to do. We're here to start a revival. But revival has to start in our own hearts. Revival will begin whenever you begin to realize and see yourself the way that God sees you. Whenever you see inside of you everything that the Father has placed in you. Scripture says that you have been given everything you need for godliness. It is on the inside of you. If you receive Jesus Christ, Jesus is enough. That's what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. It is not Jesus plus your efforts, your works, your cute talents, your money. It is Jesus and that is it. Jesus is enough. You've given me Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need to accomplish everything that Jesus is calling you to do in this life. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's Jesus. So as we're talking about empty vows and empty promises and things that we didn't make good on, this is not to condemn you. Listen to this. Your call will always be higher than your fall. And that matters across the board. Anytime you fall into sin, maybe it's been days and you haven't had a quiet time and you've already made pledges to the Lord. Your call will always be higher than your fall. So it doesn't matter if you've fallen away, if you have just like not been connecting with Jesus and it's just, I mean, it's just terrible. It's okay. Your call is higher than your fall. God matters more. I mean, God is more concerned with the reality of, you know what? I want to use you for my glory. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for your life. Amen. Your call is higher than your fall. Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand. So Peter is looking and he's, I mean, he loses his focus, right? So he's up here. If this is the water and Jesus is over there and down Peter goes. But Peter was smart enough not to say, oh, oh, well, okay, I'm just going to drown. It's all over. I mean, it's all going south. This whole thing, I'm about to die. No, no, no. Jesus knew. I mean, Peter knew even though he lost his focus, he regained it again because Peter's call was higher than Peter's fall. So he looks up to Jesus 
and says, Jesus, save me. Hosanna. Jesus, come and save me. Jesus, help me. What does Jesus do? Jesus does what Jesus would always do. Jesus is himself. Jesus is loving. Jesus is gracious. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is a God of a second chance. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to pick you up again, son. And once again, once again, he picks him up. And scripture isn't clear there, but some kind of way he had to make it back to the boat. So even if Jesus carried him, that's still pretty epic for Jesus to pick you up and carry him or whatever it was. But I would be more inclined to believe that some kind of way Jesus rose again and started walking on water once again. Why? Because Peter's call is higher than Peter's fall. Even though he slipped up, he didn't stay there. He did not drown. I want to encourage you, refuse to drown. Refuse to to drown in your sin, refuse to drown in your mistakes, refuse to drown in condemnation, refuse to drown like Peter did. It's people who refuse to drown who become water walkers again. You're destined to be a water walker. Can I get an amen? Amen. Failure is never fatal. God doesn't consult your past to create your future, you guys. The second most important decision you'll make even when it comes to having a quiet time, is what to do right after you blow it. It's not the big moments, but rather the simple, ordinary ones that shape your destiny. Shape your destiny. I want you guys to listen to this true story as we begin to close tonight. True story, Sir James Douglas. This takes place in Scotland in 1329. Sir James Douglas is the most well-known man in Scottish history. He's even more well-known than William Wallace, the man that the Braveheart movie was about. Sir Douglas served as a captain in the Scottish armies under the reign of King Robert Bruce. And another great, Robert Bruce was another great and fearless commander himself. So at the end of King Robert's life, he made a big request of Douglas. King Robert had wanted him to live long, had wanted to live long enough to fight in the Holy Land against the enemies of the cross. So at this point, he was like over 50. His weakened physical condition made it obvious that this dream would not become a reality. So near his death, King Robert called Douglas to him. Sir, he said, my life is almost gone. And there remains but one thing for me to do. And that's to meet death without fear, as every man must eventually do. I had hoped to fight myself against the heathens who are warring against Christ and his cross. But now my weak body will not make the journey. Will you, my son, make a solemn pledge to me in one of my last hours? When I die, will you carry my heart with you into battle? The heart inside me will not rest until it does battle against the enemies of the cross. So James Douglas knelt beside his hero and his king. And when he could speak through his brokenness, he pledged solemnly, it will be the highest honor of my life, your majesty. I will carry the noble heart of the king into battle against the enemies of Christ. My life shall have no higher calling. I will carry the heart of my king. King Robert the Bruce died June 7, 1329, not quite 55 years old. And as the story goes, when they told Sir Douglas, who loved and respected him as a hero and kind of like an adopted heroic father, that king, that the king had just died, he walked away weeping into the chamber where his dead king lay. He took out his knife and keeping the promise he made to his king, he slit open the chest, blood spilling out onto the floor. He reached his hand into the chest cavity, removed the heart. 
somberly, he went to the fireplace where he burned the heart into ashes because he promised the heart of the king must go into battle with me. So he places the ashes in the king's, of the king's heart tenderly inside a large silver, silver locket. He placed a silver locket upon a chain and hung it around his own neck and it was never far from him. Several years went by and the Scottish people were still battling the enemies of Jesus Christ and the cross. And that locket was worn around Sir Douglas's neck everywhere he went and in every battle that he, that he fought. Nearly four years later, in 1333, Sir Douglas was doing a routine patrol with some of his army. He came over a hill and he saw his fellow Scots being pounded by the enemies of the cross. Knowing that there wasn't any time to go get help, Sir Douglas turns to his small band of men to discuss their tactics and their strategies. Within minutes, the enemy had spotted them and had headed up the hill. Scottish history says Sir Douglas turned to his men ripped the locket containing the king's heart from around his neck, took it with his strong arms and threw the heart as deeply as he could in the direction that the enemy was coming from. He screamed as he threw it, knowing what the cost would be for that handful of men going against the enemy. Men, will you come with me this hour that we may together fight for the heart of your king? Scottish history says that the fight became so intense and so full of fury that quickly word went back to the town and, and every other Scottish warrior came to the battle as well. It became the turning point for the Scottish people against those who were trying to triumph against Jesus Christ and the cross. Hours later, the enemy was defeated. But Sir Douglas and almost his whole band of men lost their lives that day in the battle. History records that when Sir Douglas's body was found, he held his sword in one hand and somehow in the midst of the battle, he had found that sacred locket with the heart of his king it was clenched in the other. I'm asking you guys this morning in the quiet, everyday choices, listen to this, in the quiet, everyday choices, will you fight for the heart of your king? Will you fight to have a quiet time with Jesus? Will you fight to say, you know what? I may have woke up late this morning. Okay, but as soon as I get home from school or as soon as my classwork is done, I am setting an alarm, five to 10 minutes, I'm gonna connect with my king. I will fight to have a quiet time with Jesus Christ. You guys, if you will get this, I promise you, right here at the seventh, eighth grade level, there are adults, there are 40s, 50s, 60s, something who have not mastered this, who cannot grasp this concept of, you know what? You need time with Jesus outside of church, outside of youth group. He wants to connect with you because you are his magnificent obsession. And so you don't have to try to impress anybody. You don't have to try to be something you're not. You don't have to try to gain the approval of friends or even family members or people who don't like you because you realize I'm already what God wants. He loves me just like I am. He loves you just like you are. I want you to stand to your feet tonight as we quickly come to a close. The whole point here, you guys, is I triple dog dare you to make a decision to have a consistent time with Jesus daily. And that may be weird. That may be foreign. And to some of you, that may be the norm. Again, this is an encouragement. This is a celebration for you. This is your junior high youth pastor saying, 
I will absolutely applaud you. I am so proud of you. I am so, I, 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 I'm so excited. I didn't start having consistent quiet times for the latter part of my high school years. I'm embarrassed to say that. There are people who grow up in church their whole lives who never get this. You need time with Jesus. He loves you. It's where you're going to grow. Every head bow, every eye closed right now. If you want to make a decision, even this morning, if you want to commit to say, you know what? No empty vows, no token promises, but you know what? I'm going to live passionately. It's one of our four core convictions, passion, mission, intercession, consecration. I'm going to nail that passion one down. I'm going to have time with Jesus daily. And you know what? I want to be held accountable for it. I want to ask a friend and say, you know what? Hey, how's your quiet time going? How's your time with Jesus going? I want you to raise up your hand if you want to make that commitment to Jesus. Kind of like Peter. I want to warn you that, gosh, you're going to fail sometimes. But just like Peter, your call is higher than your fall. If you miss a day, just get back into it. Don't sit there and wallow in condemnation. God still loves you. He would love you if you never had a quiet time the rest of your life. So that is not what this is about. This is about you fulfilling the call and the assignment of God on your life. This is about you saying revival's coming and it's starting on the inside of my own heart. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a crasher. I want to be used by God. Father, I pray for every hand that is lifted in this place right now. And as we declare your greatness once more, Jesus, I thank you. That grace is the divine enablement to empower these students to do more than what they could ever do in their own strength and efforts. Holy Spirit, I thank you that pride is being conquered even now, God. I thank you that shame is being wiped away, Lord. God, I thank you that not one student will leave this place embarrassed or or in condemnation about not spending time with Jesus. Reassure them of your love. It has nothing to do with them, but it has everything to do with what you did for us, God. But I pray that you would charge them and you remind them that you gave your best. You deserve their best. You want their best, but you demand their best. I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ, every hand that is lifted. And I praise you for spectacular, powerful encounters with the living God. I pray that they become even better sons and daughters, brothers and sisters at home, because they're connecting with Jesus Christ, the God-man. I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.